Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Off your tips of your fingers. There's nothing better than a good game of basketball for Constable Henare Jones and his 15-year-old son Tama. Henare's been a solo dad with 100% care of Tama since he turned five. Does it feel good when it leaves your hands? So when does your um, season start for basketball? Uh, next term, I think, sometime, like okay. term two. And what grade are oh, you looking know. at? Like C's. C's, B's, yeah. C's whatever you get into. I guess. Comms to WG3. Frontline work with the police can be dangerous, demanding and 24-7. Difficult for any parent, let alone a single parent, which is why Henare, who's Māori and in his 40s, gave up his frontline work with the police to become a youth aid officer working with schools in the Wellington region. She may have been parties the initial call, we can't locate the moment. If I had stayed on the front line, there was no way that I could um, do what I do now, and that's because of the shifts. You know, I couldn't um, I couldn't take my little boy to to work at you know 10 p.m. at night through to 5 a.m. Um, it just it wouldn't work. And, and being a sole parent, you didn't have anybody there to look after Tama, did you? Being front line, there was just no way I could do it. Um, it was just too hard. And then this opportunity came up and. The hours were, you know, from 8 through to 4 p.m., which was perfect for him. Um, And for you as as a father. Welcome to Flying Solo, true stories about bringing up your kids on your own. Stats New Zealand say about a quarter of sole parents are Māori. Of Māori sole parents, around 15% are male. Constable Jones is numbered amongst those. He's also amongst one-third of sole parents who work full-time, juggling the job with her solo dad duties. Child abuse is a factor in our society we cannot ignore. Young Out of concern for their families, we've agreed not to use their real names, even though the details of their story are all very real. Instead, we'll call them Henare and Tama. <laughs> so the teachers are the ones, as I've mentioned on the clip, uh, they're the ones that are running the programme because they know the children. Okay, And over time they can see if a child is upset or something. At Kashmir Primary School in Kandala, Henare's conducting a Keep Ourselves Safe, or COS, programme with parents and teaching staff. In the session today, you used your son um, and your own parenting as an example. Yeah, it personalises it to... You know, so that they understand that, you know, even as a police officer, you know, we have families and we face the same concerns and worries that that they do. And I think sometimes we take it for granted that um, because we, as adults and parents, that we automatically assume that our children haven't inherited our knowledge around safety and what to do. 
For Hanarei, it's all about Tama. Surrounded by sporting trophies at their large, comfortable and spotless family home in Wellington, Hanarei takes me back to where it all started, with Tama's mum. It was a tough start as a solo dad. So her and I lived together for a while and she had always wanted to have a child. This has been now 16 years ago. Yeah. Um, And then she got pregnant and everything was fine. Um, But in week 11, um, the baby didn't have a heartbeat. So it miscarried. So it miscarried. And she took it really, really hard. And our relationship deteriorated over a short period of time after that. Um, We separated. And then I got that, um, she appeared at work one afternoon and I knew there was something wrong because she had tears in her eyes and she said that um, she was pregnant. So we sat down we talked about it and I said to her that no matter what she chose I would support her decision. So if she chose to have the baby then that was fine and if she decided not then I would support her in that decision as well. Um, But it came down to her, it was ultimately her decision. But I'd be there to support her. And then we came to an agreement that if I um, stayed with her for the pregnancy and um, was basically at her beck and call, then um, I would have, I could could name him. Um, Beck and call just meant that. I you would help her. All I'd the support her. antenatal classes, antenatal, everything. Everything. Um, and, you know, as time went on, she got bigger. Um, I would drive her to the supermarket and I would help her with her shopping and just whatever she needed. Um, she doesn't have a driver's licence or a car, so if she needed to go and um, see her um, doctor and have tests done, then I would take her to that. And that was prior to me going into the police. And what was it like to hold Tama for the first time? Um, it was surreal. It was, yeah, because it, it was, he looked like a raisin. It was just, <laughs> yeah, it was just so fragile. And like he, he sat on my forearm. I could just hold him. He was so tiny. Also, they had her under observation because of the postnatal depression? Yeah, I think it was that... Um, they could see there was, you know, she was struggling, struggling, um, and because of you know the uh, the tough time that she had, um, they thought that if she could, if he would latch, then that would, you know, be a good um, recovery for her. But it didn't quite it happen. Didn't. She then went on to um, trying to, she was on the DPB and yep. trying to um, be a solo mum herself yes. and you were being as supportive as you could living living close by. In the beginning she was primary care and I would come and visit them every day um, depending on her mood it would either be, you know, it was hard if she was annoyed at me, um, no and I don't know what for, but it would be no. And then the next day I'd be there. Um, and I think she craved adult company. So I would look after him, and she would go to the gym and, and train and hang out with her and friends. And have a break. And have a break, yeah. I do know that there are 
and you hear about it on the news um, where guys want to have that that connection with their children and seeing it in my job um, you know it is the courts are changing and they're looking at it you know because a lot of children need male role models in their lives especially if it's a father and if the father wants to be involved in that child's life then they should it, it shouldn't be a decision where they you know just because the uh, mother and father don't get on and there may have been violence between the mother and father um, it's penalizing the child as well if the child and you know if the parents are better apart and they both love the children well it should be the children should be should be their first priority mm. we can we can't live together um it's it, you know and the atmosphere is absolutely wrong for a child to be brought up in that but when we're apart you know we're okay um we're civil to each other and there's not that um tension and he he knows it he feels safe and he can you know travel between both parents if he wants to and there isn't that um that whole you know betrayal you know that i'm going to mums or i'm going to dads it's you it's know, easy it's easy tama's mother just didn't like the idea of me being a police officer um, she liked the idea of, of the job, but not what the it reality. involved. The reality, the, the dangers of being on front line, um, and she couldn't take that. Um, it was just too stressful for her, um, and that didn't help matters either. You said the toughest point was having to go to a lawyer. What, what happened there? Um, that was to become the, pro- yeah, the proper, that was, full primary yeah. caregiver. Um, because she was the primary care... Everything that, every decision she made was final. Legal guardianship. Yeah, legal guardianship. So if I came around to get him to, you know, have the weekend with him, um, so we had an unwritten agreement that I would have him from Friday night through to Sunday night in the weekends. Every single weekend. Every single weekend. And then um, she would ring up on a Wednesday or a, or a Tuesday or a Thursday and I'd go around to her place and babysit while she went to her aerobics classes or spin classes or to, to the gym. So that was fine. The more time I had, the better. Because um, you really enjoyed that one-on-one with yeah. your son. Yeah, so the, when it was like that and it was consistent, that was great. But depending on where she was or how she was feeling, I could turn up on that day and she'd say no. And, you know, if I'm looking forward to seeing him, that's really hard. And I could feel um, the frustration and anger building up and I thought, no, this is not. You know, we need to have some sort of agreement that was binding. Um, and that's why you decided to... And then I went and got a lawyer and family court. Family court. Um, it was great. I mean, the process was easy. They sent us away for counselling first. Mediation. Mediation. Mm. Um, we had to do six sessions. And on the first session, we got there, and it was the first question the lady asked was, are we here for um, to help your relationship, or are we here to talk about... Um, you know, living arrangements with Tama, and then that was sorted. She didn't 
she didn't object to that. I mean, in our first one, it was, um, and I think the hardest thing for her was admitting that she she knew, but to actually say it was that um, she wasn't a mother. Um, you know, she was a career woman, and it was um, a real struggle for her. It was a struggle. I think I thought that was really brave of her to actually say it. She would probably carried that around for a very long time. And to finally come out and actually say it um, took a lot of weight off her shoulder. I mean, his mother, she's really, really good. She loves him, absolutely loves him to bits. But, um, you know, she sometimes struggles looking after herself. Um, and to have um, somebody dependent on him, on her all the time is, is a huge responsibility. Um, I think she liked, She loves the idea of being a mum. Um, she loves the idea of having a house with a picket fence. But in reality, it's um, she's just like a caged cat. She just needs to have her, her space when she wants to have her space and not have those confines and those, those ties. And he goes and he stays with his mum when he, uh, every now and then there'll be... Yep. Yeah, so he goes up, yeah. he'll go up there for school holidays, um, and it depends on what he's got on. Um, one of the things that she always used to drive home to me was, you know, they're only young once, and if you don't take the opportunity, you're going to miss out. But I don't think she took that advice on board because now he's older, the time that he wants or the time that he spends with her is less and less and less. And I think the realization is that. You know, she's missed all of that time. And she's she's trying to make up for it the best way that she can. She was still living here in Wellington. You were both living in the neighbourhood, so the she neighbor- was in the neighbourhood so in Wellington was... until she's five years ago yeah. that she shifted up. Yeah, um, she met a partner. That relationship broke down. She met another partner and um, she's been up there. She's married now to him. Um we only found that out because it was on Facebook. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that, I think that that was um, quite a surprise. But his mum hadn't shared that little detail. No. <laughs> so, um, but he's he he knows that he's he knows at the end of the day that my um, how I feel about him, my love for him is unconditional. And with mum, there are conditions, and it depends on how she's feeling um, about what's happening. And he accepts that. I mean, he loves her. Um, she Skypes him every so often or quite often, and um, she puts some money into his, his FPOS account. So she does the best that she can. Make sure with your, your hand that it comes in front of your, your face, that's it. So tell me what was it like, you know, growing up, you were with your dad from the age of five onwards, and he was looking after you full time. It was, um, at first it was hard, like, uh, you know, because I'd always have to go to my mum's and stuff, and uh, that would just be real fun, and then coming back sometimes it would get... The, the two spectrums of going from very relaxed because I don't see my mum often to uh, being kind of strict because I'm with my father often um, 
was difficult, but then like slowly it got easier as I got older. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was pretty good. Like uh, we shared a lot of like sporting moments and like sporting success together. And he had always helped me, like no matter what. So yeah. Did you feel like you had more uh, sort of discipline with your dad and a bit more structure? Yeah, I felt like uh, I learned a lot more, or pretty much all of my life skills uh, through him. Um, and then when I went to mum's, it was just like, relax, have fun. Just like, pretty much, that's it. But at home, it was like learning what to do and like how what you do in life can affect you, um, what to do if certain situations happen and stuff like that. Was it important to have that structure for your son? Yeah, because he's he's a a very regimented person and he likes to have that structure. He likes to know that this is the time that he does his homework or this is the time that he, he can watch and play his games. He, he likes that, that, that structure, that he knows what to do. Um, and when, he's, when he used to go and visit his, um, his mum, it was, you know... It was just a fun time for him to be and, you know, to hang out. Um, but, you know, he, he did really well. Um, he has done really well at school. Um, and now he's he knows when he's... Um, the time that he is to catch the bus, um, he's not the greatest morning person. So he gets out of bed at the last minute if he can... If he can hang in there. What do you think of that, Tama? <laughs> yeah, pretty true. Yeah. And he gets out of bed and it's like a whirlwind. He likes his um, his structure that, he, you know, he, now he's a lot older. Um, he's in control. He's a lot more independent. Um, you know, I've stopped coaching him in sports. Um, yeah. He needs to learn a lot more life skills on his own. Um, and making mistakes is, is part of that because you don't learn unless you make mistakes. Um, he's made a few mistakes, but you know he's learnt from that, and that's all you can do. What do you reckon, Tama? What your dad has said about what your dad's? Uh, like, to like some stuff was like real dumb. Like, like um, I guess I'd stay out. Like, I'd, I'd say I'd be coming home at this time, but like be like oh I'll just stay five minutes with you guys and then it would turn into 10 30. This is when you're um, going out with mates or yeah, something? Yeah so like when I went to uh, play basketball and stuff like that yeah so yeah but it, it did like when I go home it would show like um I'd, I'd arrive home and if I'd if I'd not finished homework I'd be stressing out mm. and um it would it would be hard because be stressing out and then um my work, all my homework would not be like done to the best it probably could be. It it would just be the bare minimum or less sometimes. So yeah. So you're looking at it and then so it should go in a straight line, straight out in front. That's it. Now you've been really big in his life. You have shaped his life. You've shaped Tama. Any moments where you've been worried as a parent um, for Tama, trying not to tear your hair out? Yeah, you're always constantly aware, but one of the biggest concerns I do have is they're constantly, um, while they're out and about and walking around, they're hooked in 
with their earplugs into their devices and you know you, you see so much on the news about um, people getting run over and those sorts of things because they are distracted by what they're listening to and that's to me at the moment seems to be my biggest fear is you look around and the majority of students are walking around with these earplugs in and you know oblivious to what's happening around them. Do you make sure Tama doesn't do that? I yeah, every day I get on his case. You you're, you've been a frontline officer and now you're a youth aid officer. You will have seen the best and the worst of of society, I think. Yeah. It's... It is it's a shame. I mean the area that I work in um, and I always look at it as a child they're not born bad. You know, it's how they're brought up or their environment or you know, sometimes it's just a necessity for them for survival. They have to behave in a certain way just to survive. They don't have, you know, um, their parents are unable to provide those those things that, you know, kids crave. So you see this with kids and gangs or youth um, getting into enormous amounts of trouble, getting um, ending up um, in front of the courts. Yeah, I mean, you know... And, and this is ch- children or youth that are your son's age. Yeah, and I mean, and they end up in gangs um, because they um, form like a, a brotherhood, you know, they become part of a family where, you know, what they do is valued by the others and, you know, if they're not getting that attention or that, that love from home, then they're going to go where they can and you know, nobody wants to be alone. They all want to be a part of something, whether you're a part of a sports team or a club or, or a gang. You know, you want to belong to something. And, you know, unfortunately, some of these um, youth end up on the wrong side of the law and, you know, it's a slippery slope. And, it's, you know, you, you hear really good stories where um, they end up turning their lives around, but it comes at a cost and, you know... The, it's a long time to be angry before you come full circle and and try and you know come back full circle. And as a parent yourself, would that be your biggest the biggest thing in your life was to make sure Tama turned out right? And he's going to make mistakes, and I've always told him that no matter what happens, he I'm not going to be angry at him, I will be disappointed in what he's done or the decision that he's made but that's not going to change how I feel and that I'm, I love him and that I'm proud of him. So, so if he if he ended up breaking the law by you know, for whatever reason you, you would always love him? Yeah, I mean I'll be disappointed in what he's done and that's it, the, the, you know, the incident that he's, he's or the behaviour that he's shown but that's not going to change how I feel about him as a person. And I would hope that, you know, I've always told him, if, if you screw up, um, step up to the plate and take it. Just admit it straight away. Don't deny it because you don't have the capacity to lie. You'll get caught out and that only makes it worse. So, you know, just own it and then accept what's going to happen. Most importantly, you just said it before, you'll always love him. Yeah, yeah. Always love him, without a doubt. You know, he will screw up here and there, and like we all do, we all make mistakes. But, you know, you you hope that they learn from those mistakes and 
they don't become a habit. So yeah, and I'm not perfect either. So you know, it's yeah, he'll be he'll be fine as long as he takes those earplugs out <laughs> when he crosses the road. Ko Linda Chanwai Earl Aho, and you've been listening to Flying Solo, engineered by RNZ's Jason McClelland. In Flying Solo next week, we meet a solo parent who's in the majority, Pākehā solo mum Imogen and her four-year-old son, Mania. You can find us on iTunes or check out our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash flying solo. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.